Welcome to the Physics Central Podcast. I'm Cala Cofield. If you've ever been to a heavy metal concert, you may have seen a mosh pit. Now, depending on who you ask, a mosh pit can be a lot of fun or just a good way to get a black eye. But two young physicists at Cornell University think mosh pits are a great place to do physics. Uh, In a crystal, the way the atoms move to create an oscillation that travels through the lattice is called a phonon. I saw something very similar happening in the crowd of people at this concert. And looking to the future, how the study of mosh pits might help in crowd management strategies. That's today on the Physics Central Podcast. Jack, Jack, one, two, one, two. No, no, let's do it more seriously. (laughs) Hi! All right, check, check. How does that sound? That's lovely. Uh, Well, tell me your name and a little bit about yourself. So, my name is Jesse Silverberg. I am a fourth-year graduate student at Cornell University in the physics department, and I study the physics of mosh pits. And we have a second guest. I'm Matthew Bierbaum. I'm a fourth-year graduate student at Cornell as well, and... I guess you can say I study mosh pits. Um, So, yeah, maybe you guys should actually tell me a little bit about your hobbies as well as your work because that plays into what we're going to be talking about. Uh, Well, so uh, being a metalhead, I've been going to heavy metal concerts for about 13 years now. And uh, what what happened um, about five years ago was something that really uh, set the course for this project. It it planted the seed for the idea. And... um, the way it went was that I took my girlfriend to her first heavy metal concert, and uh, usually I jump in the mosh pit to go around and have some fun. Um, for those who don't know what a mosh pit is, maybe uh, Matt can give us a really good description of that. Um, basically, it's a whole mess of people who are running around um, uh, in every direction, bouncing off of each other. Um, depending on the show, you can get elbows thrown and kicks you know, along the way, and, and it's, it's quite energetic. You, you've got people that are running around, jumping, pushing, shoving each other, all in random directions. It's hot, it's dark, the lights are flashing, the music is loud, and all around it's just a mess. <laughs> and, and, you know, I just didn't want to take my girlfriend into that. <laughs> so instead, we stayed out on the side and uh, watched the show from there. And um, since this was my first time outside the mosh pit looking in, uh, you know, I was somewhere in in college in my physics training, and I saw all these collective behaviors that we talked about in class. So, for example, uh, in a crystal, the way the atoms move to create an oscillation that travels through the lattice is called a phonon. I saw something very similar happening in the crowd of people at at this concert. And so I spent the rest of the night distracted, barely could pay attention to the music. And um, when we walked out, I shelved the idea for another day. Yes. So um, I guess three years later, when Jesse and I were in Jim Sethna's statistical mechanics course, uh, we picked this project up again because the, this, the subject of flocking came up as a, a possible project. And so we want to... Flocking like birds. Like birds, yeah. Like so birds and fish and, and wildebeest actually flock. Give me, give me a quick, like, why, what, 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 do you, what is a physicist looking at? <laughs> Basically, they're looking at the collective behavior that arises out of a bunch of individuals and how they can move together to create these sorts of swarms that you see, swarms and, and um, herds and flocks and stuff like this. And so we want to put, well, 
we wanted to put the metalheads in a box. So we wanted to be able to describe them in terms of these mathematical models that people have used to describe other living systems. So you thought that you could compare people in a mosh pit to, say, wildebeest on the plain or, or birds in a flock? Yep, that, that is the idea. <laughs> so it's a little weird to think that people might collectively act like groups of animals. We sort of see animals as slaves to their instincts, while we humans are individuals with free will, and we feel like we make an enormous number of choices every day about how we behave. But in certain environments, like a crowd of people, we're restricted by what's going on around us, and it turns out that there may be something unconscious going on that causes us in those situations to behave more like a group and less like individuals. So I think more generally what happens is that human beings exhibit a wide variety of collective behaviors depending on the social circumstances. So for example, people walking down the street or here at APS March meeting, uh, they'll form lanes so they don't bump into each other. And they do that spontaneously. So that's a very simple example. People deciding to walk in a line so they don't bump into each other. And then we all get to our destination faster. But what if you have even less time to think? What if you're packed shoulder to shoulder with a thousand people? What happens when things get extreme? In these extreme settings, you see collective motions that don't arise in uh, less extreme situations. So for mosh pits, what we're trying to do and what, what our, our idea is, is that uh, if we want to understand what types of collective behaviors are even possible, you really have to go to those extreme states and just start watching, seeing what's happening. So that's what Silverberg and Beerbomb did. They started watching mosh pits. So um, we tried very hard to get data for ourselves. So we, we went to concerts and, and tried to bring a camera in and film people while they were in these extreme situations. And it turns out this is actually sort of a liability issue, and, and you can't do it, um, which is really tragic for us. But, um, you know, there's this place called YouTube. I don't know if you've heard about it. <laughs> no, no. But it's a video sharing website, and it has a really big wealth of videos. And so we were able to go there and analyze them for, to extract the motions of, of these people in the crowd. You know, how do you, how do you analyze it? Do you just watch very carefully over long periods of time? So, uh, so I work in the field of soft matter physics, and a lot of what uh, we do is image analysis and quantification of motion in videos. And so some time ago, uh, physicists figured out how to track the motion of fluids. And the basic idea is you put small beads that act as tracer particles in the water or whatever fluid you're interested in, and as it flows, you can use the beads as tracer particles to get an idea of what's going on. So the, what we did was take that basic idea and we would go frame by frame in a movie and break it up into small pieces and say, okay, where are people moving? What direction is the flow of the crowd? And so much the same way that you would analyze the motion of water in a pipe or um, something similar, we use those same quantification techniques to study mosh pits. Cool. So just a lot of time studying these things frame by frame. 
Oh, no, that's what computers are great yeah. for. <laughs> <laughs> but we did spend a lot of time looking at different videos to get a sense of all the behaviors, and, what, and we had to find the best data given our tight constraints. So we had to find videos that weren't shaking and the lights weren't flashing, and it had a good enough perspective to be able to see the people in these pits. And so that was a chore in itself. So the pair looked at the motion of people in a mosh pit, and they compared that to the flow of a fluid. And they also looked at how fast people tend to move in a mosh pit. So we were mainly looking at the statistics. So one thing that we looked at was the probability of a certain speed being present in the uh, mosh pit itself. So there's a probability distribution function for the speed. And that's the one that turns out to be very close to a t 2D Maxwell-Boltzmann, which describes a gas. So the probability that a person in a mosh pit will have a certain speed. Okay. Yeah. So there's probably a good probability that everyone's going about the same speed and then a low probability that anyone's standing still. Yep. So you're going to have a spread of, spread of different speeds, but you can predict the speed that most people will be going. Exactly. So we've already compared people to a flock of birds or a herd of wildebeests, but there's an even simpler system that you can compare a mosh pit to, and Beerbaum mentioned it briefly. A gas. You can think of every person in a mosh pit as a particle in a gas. And the reason you can make that comparison here is because the particles tend to have the same energy, and they tend to move at the same speed. And that means that all the particles are influencing each other until they are all more or less at the same energy level. And the motion and the energy of the particles in a gas is actually what we call temperature. So this is basically one number that characterizes the entire thing that's happening. And we can even track how that number, that temperature, varies in time. And so you can see in the data that very early on when a mosh pit first forms, it's, you know, it's hot in the sense that, I mean, I'm doing little quote marks here, it's hot in the sense that um, you know, people are running around with a lot higher speed and more energetic and it's you know, much more, uh, you could even say violent. But as the mosh pit evolves in time and the song goes on, people lose that energy, lose that momentum, and they cool down. And you can see in the data, the temperature of the mosh pit as a function of time slowly decays. And so it's a really interesting way to, to be able to study how people behave. So with enough data about a system, it's possible to build a model. And a model is like a simplified version of reality. But it can also tell you things about reality. It can sort of tell you what the basic building blocks are. Because if you put those building blocks into your model, then the model should give you an output that reflects reality. So Silverberg and Beerbaum built these models based on equations that describe the motion of herds and flocks. And they wanted to build models about very specific motions that you would see in a mosh pit. And the question was, would those equations that described how flocks and herds move also describe how people move when they're packed into a tight space, rocking out to heavy metal? So... When we are looking at these very extreme situations, we, there is a lot of different behaviors that you see that you don't normally do, normally see. In particular, the ones that we looked at were called the mosh pit and the circle pit. And these are, these are well known colloquially, that's why they have these names. 
And so we were able to, um, by using these models, we were able to reproduce the motions that we see in these mosh pits, which are those very violent motions, and also the circle pit, which actually is more like a vortex of people. It's a whirlpool. So everyone runs about a central axis, and they, they form this, this circular motion. And by using these models, we were able to produce both of these behaviors, and we were able to transition between them just by changing a few of our parameters. Now, if you've ever been to a heavy metal concert, you probably know that no two mosh pits look the same. And yet what Beerbaum and Silverberg are saying is that there are equations that can describe all mosh pits. So does that mean that all mosh pits are actually the same and we just can't tell the difference? Or how similar are any two mosh pits? Well, so... In the statistical sense, there's not much of a difference. Um, the, uh, the other extreme is looking at the microscopic motion of every individual. And in that sense, everything is always going to be unique. Uh, but because it's difficult to track individuals and because the motion of every individual is going to be random and chaotic, it, it doesn't make much sense to work at that level. So if you back it up and go more at the statistical measures, so for example, looking at the distribution of speeds, uh, we find that mosh pits are basically described by the same mathematics that you use to describe a gas of molecules in air. Uh, and from that perspective, things turn out pretty much to be the same. This also gets back to the question of what this says about our behaviors. Silverberg and Beerbaum can't predict the future. They can't tell you how any one mosh pit is going to look. And they definitely can't tell you how any one individual in a mosh pit is going to behave. But the fact that a collective motion emerges among people in this situation suggests that there is some unconscious choices going on. If you stand still in a mosh pit or you go against the crowd, you can really get hurt. But if you move with the crowd at the same speed, you're actually much safer. The study of mosh pits could be used to help us better understand what happens in even larger crowds. There are people who have begun to look at applications of these, um, of, of, crowd dynamics and trying to figure out how to build safer buildings or how to deal with situations where you're going to have people running in panic or trying to escape a building and trying to figure out the architectural design principles that will help mitigate the risks. Um, there's a second question which we don't, we haven't figured out what the answer for is, but I think this is a really nice open question to, to be thinking about. And that is why? Why did these really simple rules seem to apply in both the heavy metal concerts but also in some of the very limited data that does record the motion of uh, escape panic. You know, why is it that it seems to be the same description that describes these sorts of collective behaviors? And there's some really nice stuff there that we're only beginning to tap into. So what's great is that if you want a mosh pit, all you have to do is go down to your local venue on Friday and Saturday, and there's a mosh pit, and you can study it. And so this brings up the fact that we can look at these when we want to, and we have a lot of data to do so. On the other hand, in other unfortunate situations, we don't have that opportunity, and so maybe we can provide a lens here with our, our extreme situation of mosh pits.
Both Bierbaum and Silverberg say that there are a lot of open-ended questions here. In fact, the physics of mosh pits may only just be getting started. Uh, but there is one thing that is really cool that uh, I think we are beginning to look at now, and that's what happens when you have multiple mosh pits. So, uh, for example, some years ago, uh, I was at a show where there were two of these circle pits. So Matt was talking about this earlier, where you have groups of people that run around in a circle. And um, three of them formed, two of them were going counterclockwise, and one was going clockwise. And from where I was, I could see all this happening, and I saw the first two that were both going the same direction basically collide with one another. And when they did that, their size increased. So it was basically like um, you can think about atoms getting extra charge. Uh, you know, one charge plus one charge is two charge, and you could see this thing growing. They then collided with that third one, which is going in the opposite direction. And when that happened, the whole thing annihilated itself, much like you can talk about... Um, electrons and anti-electrons annihilating each other. There, there's a really beautiful uh, analogy there that we're, we're still at the very early stages of, of looking at and still at the very early stages of um, quantifying, but the, the physics is so rich, and there's so much here that we could be doing that it's just what a, what a, what a great playground to be, to be studying in. Thank you again to Matthew Bierbaum and Jesse Silverberg. They wanted to note that this research was not supported by any government funds. Thanks very much to the band Sayega, whose heavy metal music you heard in our podcast today. You can find them at myspace.com slash Sayega. That's C-Y-A-E-G-H-A. Our title music is by Jordan Winnick. You've been listening to the Physics Central Podcast. I'm Calla Cofield. As always, you can find more podcasts, our Physics Buzz blog, resources, and so much more at physicscentral.com. Tune in next week for more Physics Central.